welcome to the Hybrid Pub Scout Podcast with me, Emily Einelander. And me, Corinne Kalaki. We're mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing, and we're joined today by founding members of the organization Disability in Publishing. Disability in Publishing was founded by U.S.-based disabled individuals who work in traditional publishing. Inspired by other organizations such as People of Color in Publishing and Latinx in Publishing, which have made great strides to make publishing more inclusive, we set out to find an organization that would focus on disability and health in- inclusivity in 2021. The decision to create disability in publishing was driven by the fact that we are trying to navigate an industry built on traditions that were not developed with us in mind and the belief that universal design and inclusivity benefits everyone. And that was uh, drawn from your about page. So Yes, <laughs> yes it was. <laughs> um, Great. So welcome. Would you like to introduce yourselves and tell a little bit about what you do? Um, I'm Madison Parada. I have a day job in prospect research, um, but I'm also a senior editor at a publisher called Includes Publishing, which um, promotes books by disabled authors, um, children's books. Um, I'm also a freelance sensitivity reader for physical disability and mobility devices. Um, for a number of different companies. Um, and I'm currently a member of the communications team for disability and publishing. And I am Sarah Fisk. I am a literary agent at Device Literary Agency. And uh, for disability and publishing, I am a board member and the programming lead. Um, yeah, hi, my name is Victoria Henderson. Um, I work in foreign rights currently at Broward Literary and Management. Um, I'm a foreign rights agent, and then with disability and publishing, I serve as the operations lead. Yeah, Victoria manages a lot of our kind of internal organization type stuff. Let's start with your core mission of disability and publishing. Uh, what would you say that that is? I'm not sure exactly what our website says. I haven't memorized it, but um, we basically started to support employees in the American publishing system. And so even though the work we do may affect writers, it's not necessarily for authors. It's for people who work in publishing and in the various like related things to publishing, like um, people who work at publishing related uh, news sites or things like that and um, literary journals. Also, we had to keep it limited to the United States because there's a lot of, you know, different laws and kind of things related to uh, disability uh, country by country. And so people always ask, well, why can't I join if I'm so-and-so? Why can't I join if I'm so-and-so? So those are the, those are the answers because we have to focus on something, right? Um, and we're just trying to support in many different ways. So we're trying to advocate for more disability friendly practices in um, with employers. And a lot of publishing employees are not employees. Technically they are contractors. And so that introduces another level of complexity to it as well. And we're also um, one of the things that we want to do is we want to have conference liaisons to, uh, you know, help people make their conferences more accessible. And 
Yeah. So we have a lot of different things that we want to do. We're just getting started. Our first uh, real event that we're doing is going to be in January. And it is a webinar um, from a disability lawyer about knowing your rights as an employee. So that's going to be the first thing that we do. And, th and that was like one of the things I think we all thought was like really important for us to start with. Um, and I think something we also uh, were talking about is um, we really want to especially advocate for disabled people who are entering publish publishing, um, just to mentor them and uh, help them get started, help them learn the way of the land, um, that kind of stuff. And really just like build a community of um, disabled publishing professionals uh, that can again all support each other and provide resources and help increase accessibility um, across the industry. Essentially, we wanted to make a place um, that existed as a resource and community for disabled publishing professionals. Um, there had we had seen some things that were geared towards writers, but uh, a lot of us like informally knew each other and were experiencing disability related struggles in our work lives. So we wanted to make kind of a central hub um, of resources information, contacts, and our Slack is often like a place to vent as well. Um, so yeah, that was the mission to create, uh, to create space in an industry that doesn't like to create space often. And I did pull up the official mission if you want like the, you know, <laughs> sure, <laughs> the company well. line. <laughs> Our mission is to create community, provide resources and increase accessibility across the industry in order to increase disability visibility and retain the talent of disabled publishing professionals. We will support each other through advocacy, education, networking and community. We are committed to working from an intersectional perspective. So everything we said, but more concise. <laughs> Excellent. What would you say was the inspiration for disability and publishing and how did it come to be? And Victoria, I know that you did share a little bit about how you'd been speaking to each other internally and informally. Um, and we talked about the people of color in publishing and Latinx in publishing. Uh, what? So I guess what was the thing that really, you know, said, we're going to do this, like, let's, let's do this. Well, if I recall correctly, Madison, Madison and Sarah, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there we knew each other loosely. Each of us kind of had like mutuals in law on Twitter, and <laughs> a couple of us, a couple of us, like a couple different times. I remember, like I independently had had it started reaching out to people, kind of at the end of 2021 to put out like feelers for disability um, organization and a couple other of our founding members had done the same thing. And I think it was Emily Keys who put out the call that was like, I really wish there was a disability organization. And a bunch of us were like, we also wish there was this thing and then we made it. Yeah, I think Victoria reached out to me on like a Discord, like one of the entry-level publishing Discords. Mm, and then yeah. I think Sarah tweeted something. Uh, you were like, oh, kind of similar to Emily. I wish there was something, mm -hmm. some sort of disability organization. And then I messaged you and I was like, hey, we're saying something, come join us. And then you became kind of like one of the head people, I think, which was really cool. <laughs> I'm really proud of myself for being able to uh, 
convert you and bring you over <laughs> to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, I um because there was a group that was forming in the UK and I had I had actually tweeted a couple different times that I wish there was something like it. And then the last time I tweeted, Madison had messaged me and was like, hey, we're starting something, join this group. Um, and it was just like a small chat group. And then I came in and I have run several like nonprofits, especially including a publishing related nonprofit. And so I was like, oh, I know how to do all this. <laughs> and so that's when we kind of started like formally organizing. Yeah, awesome. Sarah has been awesome. Thank God we have them. <laughs> Thank you. You're like the person we needed like at that moment. It was perfect timing, I think. I think like we we have split up the different roles mm-hmm. so that but everybody has different things going on in their lives. Sarah just has experience doing this already. So they're like, we're always like, Sarah, <laughs> what do we do here? <laughs> and I also think some of our other um, more experience like uh members on our team mm-hmm. like um like Emily and um Aaron who have like more experience in yeah. the industry in general um and they as well are like have some of the higher ends I guess and then Azmita just like knows everyone and just like, yes. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she knows everyone <laughs> how many people are in the uh founding group let me count I know <laughs> you can approximate yeah. too if you want we have it's like me, Asta, Katie, Flum, um, Victoria, Esmita, Emily, Aaron, Madison, Miranda, Miranda. Yes. C- Crystal. There's 11, 11 of us. So let's talk a little bit about the work you do and why it's important. What sorts of barriers do disabled people in publishing face? Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I, I think me and Victoria did like a whole panel on this before yeah. <laughs> um, for the Children's Book Council. Um, so, I mean, in general, and you know, I'm thinking about my experience. Um, I'm physically disabled, um, and. I feel like people can tell that I'm disabled uh, pretty easily when they see me. So for me, like having a visible disability, I, I've been trying to get a full-time publishing job for like years and I haven't been able to. Um, and I'm my theory is that part of the reason that is the case is because people can tell I'm disabled. Um, so. And one of the big things that comes with that is figuring out um, how to disclose your disability if you disclose your disability. Um, Like personally, I have an internal struggle when it comes to that um, because I'm I'm really passionate about seeking out books with disabled representation. Um, But I don't necessarily want people to know that I'm disabled right away because it will create a bias. Um, And I think part of that bias is that hiring managers think that uh, non-disabled people or think that disabled people cannot work as hard as non-disabled people when like in reality, I feel like we all have to work 10 times harder because so people will understand that we can do the same things as them, um, even though we're disabled. 
Yeah, I remember Madison mentioning at one point going to interview and the actual location was physically inaccessible. Yeah. Um, and so that's like one thing. And Erin mentioned this in her interview for the PW Star Watch. Um, a lot of the job descriptions will say you must be able to lift 50 pounds, even though mm -hmm. that probably has nothing to do with the actual job, or it's a very, very small part of the job that you could easily get someone else in the office to do. And so that automatically rolls people out. And I think um, on the other end of it, like there is a lot of bias towards neurotypical people. So people who are neurodiverse um, may face barriers just in the way that things are operated. There's a lot of like, well, I just know I this. Have literally and... so much to say about this. Yes, I'm, I know <laughs> Sorry, Victoria I didn't does. need to interrupt you, Sarah. Go on. No. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, well, you just, you should know this or that kind of thing. And the one thing that like, that really bothers me every time is there's, there's often this discussion on publishing Twitter about when it's okay to send emails, right? And it's like, you have to send emails during business hours. Um, and then it's like not taking into, the fact, into account that especially neurodivergent people are often not morning people. And so our working hours are not the same as other people's working hours. Um, and also if you live in California, like it, even just not even from a disabled perspective, like the whole idea is just preposterous um, because they're emails, it's asynchronous communication. You can read them at any time. Um, and so it's just like all these different little biases. And I remember when I was applying for agent positions, I was primarily applying, applying for remote ones. Um, and I, I had to think like, do I want to put that I'm disabled on my cover letter? And it ultimately came, ultimately came down to, I can wait for a position, right? I don't, I, there is no rush for me. And so I put it in my cover letter because I didn't want to work for an agency that wouldn't give me an interview because I said I was disabled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On the flip side of that, I have had jobs where I have disclosed like midway through uh, for whatever reason or another and and it's resulted in some like problems for me at work um, and I think that there's some I hesitate to call it privilege because I don't think it's privilege to have to mask your disability but there's some level of like being able to go under the radar which is very stressful when you're trying to maintain sort of the standards of what has traditionally been like a genteel white woman's industry and you're trying to maintain that sort of social acceptability which would be stressful for anybody but especially for neurodivergent people and it's like very difficult to navigate very minute social interactions. And then um, in my world of foreign rights, we're also uh, navigating across different cultures all of the time, which can be another layer onto that. And a lot of times, a lot of the times, it's not even necessarily like how the person you're talking to receives you. It's how the people around you watch and think that the other person is receiving you. So it's a lot of like monitoring of yourself. Um, I would add to barriers that uh, disabled people face. Um, it's really, as we're seeing right now, like the current Harper mandate to come back into the office, um, 
people are being pushed to return to New York, which is an expensive city for the most neurotypical, most abled of people. Uh, it's inaccessible for many, many reasons. And like, personally, I work a lot better remotely because I'm not distracted. I hate an open plan office. I do not want to listen to anybody else's Zoom call. Um, but there are like a lot of reasons why somebody couldn't live in New York. And I don't think that it is uh, fair to anybody to mandate that they live in like the most expensive city in the country. Um, especially because disabled people spend a lot on healthcare. We spend more on transportation, on like basic life things. And um, healthcare can be a big issue as well. And a lot of like entry level, especially agency jobs don't offer it. And so that's another access, like barrier to access that I think needs to be addressed. Did I miss anything? There's more. I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's, there's more. There's so much. We, we could literally just talk for like three hours, yeah. but yeah. it's like, well. Oh, also low pay. That's a huge yeah. issue. Yeah. If everything's so expensive. Reasons, yeah. 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 If you're starting at that level where it's hard to, um, where you have to pay a lot anyway, and then you're not actually getting the money for it, you're going to be upside down probably. I I also, to add one more thing, this didn't happen at this in the publishing industry, but at a previous job, like I had disabilities, like you buy one, buy one, get seven free. So <laughs> I had disclosed, I had disclosed a disability um, that it was maybe like a more acceptable kind. And then I disclosed a different disability because I needed accommodations for that disability. And that, um, resulted in some like really harsh treatment at work so it also you have to be discerning about like what you tell people and there's things like sometimes there are things that people can physically see about you that sort of marks you as different and not neurotypical and or not uh abled and that can be also just another very confusing thing to navigate I imagine with that whole having to try to do everything 10 times harder um, yeah. and better than everyone else that um, if, if people are thinking retaliatory, retaliatorily against uh, because of a disability that you've disclosed, you probably need to, you, you might be a lot more paranoid about the way that you behave around other people because they're looking for something to, um, to catch you on. I've, I've, I've I yeah. won't go into specifics, but I've seen that happen before. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I can only speak from my personal experience, but I had found like, I'm a very capable employee. <laughs> I get a lot done um, at the hours when I want to get things done. And like, uh, in my experience, when I had disclosed the, the less socially acceptable disability, I found like the expectations for me suddenly shifted drastically and I was like what happened like I'm the same person that I was a month ago uh, um so yeah I mean that was stressful but yeah I think it, we talked about this too in our slack channel because so uh, one of my things is I have a chronic illness and it flares up and so there are days where like I cannot get out of bed and most jobs, they don't understand it. They don't get it. And so I can just call and say, I have a migraine 
and that's fine, but I can't say what's actually wrong with me. Right. Um, and so it's just like ridiculous because it's like, people understand migraines, people understand like stomach bugs or whatever, but they don't understand a chronic illness flare up, which is the same symptoms just for a different reason. I think we talked about this a little, um, but what would you say, uh, some of your main advocacy goals are? Yeah. And I guess how, as advocates, you would be able to address some of the issues that you just brought up. Yeah, I think like we mentioned before, um, definitely welcoming like new publishing industry members who are new to the business and showing them the ropes and helping them with accommodations, uh, requesting those, helping them with cover letters and resumes, helping them with interview tips, mentoring them uh, in any way we can. Um, and also, like I think Sarah mentioned before, we want to help HR teams sort of uh, make the whole process more accessible um, by just uh, consulting with them and doing um, like webinars and, and um, uh, I guess panels um, and helping them sort of figure out the right way to address or not address disability, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I think we're approaching it from a couple different angles because we want to provide resources for disabled employees, but we also want to provide resources for their employers. And those are going to be very different resources, obviously. Um, and, you know, we are approaching it from several different angles where we are trying to have blog posts with information. We're trying to have like webinars with information. We have a newsletter. Um, we're going to advocate industry facing so both public and you know inside so um but you know through social media obviously we've been openly supporting different efforts and that kind of thing we want to provide resources and materials um interview coaching was one thing that we talked about that we haven't been able to launch yet but we want to another thing was we were looking at the authors guild and they how how they provide legal consults for writers and so that is a long-term goal for us as well so that if someone does have a question like can i disclose this or what happens if i disclose this that kind of thing they can get that kind of first level advice um and uh, another long-term goal is to facilitate like an industry-wide survey that focuses on disability. We see a lot of these surveys that focus on um, books and different types of diversity. And so we want to make sure that disability is part of that conversation as well. And then another thing that I really like that We Need Diverse Books does is they provide internship stipends for unpaid internships for um, diverse employees. And so that's another kind of long-term goal that we would like to look at too. I think the, we were also, this was a very, very long-term goal, but I think we also did pitch the idea of having an ombudsman, um, which is like, mm, how would you explain it? <laughs> I grew up in the military, so I always think of it in that term. So the ombudsman is the, the person that the family can go to if they're having an issue of any kind. So whether yeah. it's like um, a child care issue or something like that. So obviously it would be translated to our purposes. Mm -hmm. That be a little bit of conflict resolution type intervention. It could be a conflict resolution. It could be I'm having a problem with my employer. What resources can you guide me to? Um, it could be 
I need a job and I can't decide whether to disclose or not, um, what is your advice? Basically like a catch-all person who is there mm-hmm. to mitigate anything that may come up. <laughs> Has your organization collaborated with any other ones uh, since it's launch? Not on like an official level. I think that we have been um, talking to different people from different organizations to get feedback and that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, all over the place from people of color in publishing to reading diverse books to even um, we are using governing docs designed for pitch wars by the pitch wars lawyer who gave us permission to use those. Um, and so, you know, we've reached out to all our different individual contacts, um, but we haven't really done, I don't think anything quite formal yet, but we are also that we've had several publishers reach out to us as well who want to coordinate with us. And if anybody would like to, Ismita is our external relations person, and you can email us at, it's just disabilityandpublishing at gmail.com. Right. Do you have any uh, specific advocacy successes that you can share with us? We haven't really gotten too started on um, our official operations yet. So we were actually just uh, registered as a legal entity on October 25th. And we submitted, by we, I mean me, um, submitted uh, our federal nonprofit application the same day, which um, takes a while to get approved. And so we're hoping that comes through the beginning of December, end of this month, uh, end of November. And so we were, we're kind of waiting on some of those things to get some of our official programming started because that allows us to do a lot more, you know. I think the the main kind of successes that we've seen so far is we've started to see a community build. We've created a Slack. We have a smaller group chat for management type stuff, but we created a Slack where we've been slowly kind of inviting people in and we've seen a lot of, you know, really good stuff come out of that really good conversations, even if it's just like ranting and other people commiserating, you know, that's, that can be really helpful to just realize that like, you're not the only one experiencing this kind of stuff. Right. And we also like run a Twitter where where we kind of started, where we like prematurely mentioned that we were starting and we got a lot of interest. And then we weren't able to really like focus on that interest until a couple months later. Um, but we are like retweeting stuff on there and announcing things on there. So that's sort of something else that we've kind of built up. We've also, I think, uh, what I personally consider a success is we've had like some uh, publishers, diversity, either departments or um, initiatives reach out to us, which I think that was really exciting for us to see kind of um, action from their side as well. Nice to see that people want to do better, at least. Yeah. Um, so how can people in the industry or who are hoping to get into the industry who identify as disabled get involved with you, maybe in that Slack channel, et cetera? Yeah, so I can cover this. Um, so um, if people are interested, um, they can send us an email or reach out to us on Twitter, um, disabilityinpublishing at gmail.com, like the Twitter mentioned. Um, and I can add them to the Slack. Um, so there's that. And if there are, I guess in general, if there are agents or editors who are interested 
in um, supporting books that involve disability or books by writers with disabilities. They can also get in touch with them because we have a directory on our website that we can add them to. Um, and I think in the future, this will include other, um, other industry professionals like freelancers, um, et cetera. Um, and if people are interested in writing for us, um, like Sarah mentioned, we are going to start a blog at some point. So uh, we're looking for pieces on health, illness, disability, a combination of the three or anything else that someone could potentially think that would be relevant. So they can again email us um, with their pitch. Um, and we also have a newsletter um, so people can subscribe to that to stay up to date with what we're doing. And I believe that link is also on the website as well. Yeah, it's on our contact us page. And I think if you're if you're not a disabled person, but you are interested in supporting the organization, I think the newsletter is probably the best place. Twitter, if Twitter survives this week, um, is also a good place to follow us. And then if you are a disabled person who works in publishing or is working towards working in publishing, do reach out to us and join the Slack because I think community is one of the most important things. So for people who um, want to help, since you're just getting the operation off the ground and everything, you would say that following the newsletter would kind of give them the cue when you finally do have something that they can do to help out. Yeah, if we uh, need anything, that's going to go in the newsletter. So if we need anyone to volunteer in a specific way, that will go in the newsletter, of course. Um, and any fundraising efforts are going to go through the newsletter as well. Right. Do you have anything that you would like to share in terms of advice or just additional facts that people should know about your organization? I think, I mean, and in terms of advice, I think the best thing is to realize that you are not alone and publishing is a particularly difficult industry for people with disabilities. A lot of it has to do with being centered in New York City, but obviously there are a lot of other things as well. Um, and there are a lot of people you like, I am so surprised by the number of people who reached out to me who are like, I'm disabled, but no one at my office knows, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so there, there are a lot of us hiding <laughs> and publishing too, and hopefully we'll be able to kind of, uh, you know, make an appearance and be more visible and help other people who, who want to work in this industry. I also think it's important for disabled people who are new to publishing um, to understand that they shouldn't work for free um, and they shouldn't be giving their thoughts and opinions on things that are related to disability for free um, and also without consent um, and without being paid because um, that's extra labor. Um, there's been like a number of times that I've done work for a company and um, it's like morphed into the disability side of things. Um, and like when I first started, like I was like, okay, I'll do it, whatever. Um, but I was naive and um, I should have been like, you need to pay me to do this. Um, but now I know better. And I feel like everyone who is disabled should um, really know that um, because 
you know, we're all worthy of being paid for our work. Um, and especially disabled people. If you're being asked to uh, use niche expertise to help your company and being put on different committees and whatnot, there there should be something in it for you. <laughs> yeah, I I would add um, for people who are not disabled who are listening to this podcast to. Uh, maybe reconsider like I think an easy place to start with how you think about disability is how you think about yourself um I always like to say like you're a temporarily abled person like you like people can be temporarily disabled you can become disabled at any time um we have I mean just in our organization alone we have people who are born disabled we have people who have become disabled due to illness or uh accidents um so like to lead with that sort of compassion and understanding I think will get you very far in life in general but especially when it comes to disability and then um to people who are who are disabled who are trying to get into publishing definitely second Madison's advice don't work for free and my other piece of advice is it's okay to quit and it's okay to leave if you're in a situation that's bad to your health because that is so much more important than like a publishing job is. There will be more jobs. You can always find another job. And I think disabled people in particular are, are taught to think of jobs as a miraculous opportunity that comes around every once in a while, but that's not true. And so, yeah, my advice is to prioritize your health and not uh, risk everything and work for free. And this is an industry which asks a lot of its employees already. So to put physical health on top of it, or even mental health, anything that affects you, like that should be your priority. And that's one of the reasons that we exist as an organization to have a space for that and to remind people that like you are the valuable person. Uh, You bring value to the industry and you should also value yourself. Yeah, literally the best, I'm not kidding, the best piece of advice I've ever heard in my life is uh, somebody online said that neurodivergent people should put about 70% of the effort that you think you should put into something. And I I saw that like two years ago and it has like totally reevaluated the way that I live my life because that's definitely how I felt when I got my first publishing job. I was like, I have to work 24 hours a day. and it was not fun. So yeah, I, I urge you to consider what's going to be healthy and sustainable in the long term and not make sacrifices to get something temporary. So could you tell us more about the event in January? Yeah, on January 12th, we are going to have a webinar on basically knowing your rights for disabled employees. And she is going to talk both about uh, W-2 employees and uh, independent contractors. So if you're salaried or, you know, um, literary agents or most commonly contracted employees. And so it's going to be just a presentation. There's going to be a Q&A section as well. And that's one of our first um, real big official events, I guess I should say. <laughs> yeah. So it's Meredith Mooring, who is an author and a lawyer, and she is also disabled herself. Okay, well, I think uh, that'll do it, unless there's uh, 
any other places that people can find you online, either as individuals or a group? I think we have all of our individual social media links on our website. If you mm-hmm. go to the founding members section, that's that's the best place to find information in general is our website, which um, Ismita did a great job on. Yes, it's very easy to navigate. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you can find us um, hopefully on Twitter at Hybrid Pub Scout, but we'll see. <laughs> Um, on Instagram at hybrid pub scout pod. Uh, you can email me Emily at hybrid pub scout.com. Thanks for giving a rip about books. <laughs> <laughs>